Man, do you guys, um, I just prayed that, do you guys ever get tired? Do you get weary? It may seem like a ridiculous question, like, of course, I've got kids. Of course I get tired. Or, bro, you have no clue what my work demands are. Yes, of course I get tired. Or we have this longing for summer to be here, and all of a sudden summer's here, and you're like, ah, I kind of wish school was back in session already. Right? Do, do you get weary? Do you get tired? Do, do you get do you forget why you're fighting, why you're continuing to move forward? Do you forget why you're called to hang tough, the series that we just came off of, of, of hanging tough, why you're going to fight for the person's heart next to you? Do you ever grow weary in those moments? Do you ever grow weary of serving, <laughs> questioning, like, God, why, why, do I, why do I really need to serve my kids, or, or my wife, or my friends, my co-workers. Why do I need to fight for this movement that you've called me into? And you may have days or seasons where you find yourself asking those questions of why. And I don't know if you've been there. I know I have, whether it's, it's days or kind of extended seasons. So my desire today is just to reignite your heart. In faith, that we would see our King Jesus and um, that, that our faith would be reignited so that we would engage. Or for some of us, um, we just simply need to re-engage. And so we're going to look this morning at 2 Samuel 23. Um, King David is going to be a little bit of our uh, prototype this morning. We'll kind of make a journey through this text to see some guys that surrounded him. Um, but David is having to flee as he did several times throughout his life as he's being pursued and chased. And you're like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. You said King David, he's having to flee. Kings shouldn't flee. They should just squash, right? David has a very interesting approach. In fact, um, there's a, a great book called Three Kings, um, and it talks about the approach of David as he's being uh, pursued and hunted in a way, but whether it's King Saul or uh, his son, yes, his son, Absalom, uh, if we think that we've got some rough uh, parent-child relationships, go kind of check out the story of David and Absalom. It doesn't go well <laughs> um, in that relationship. But that's where we find David. He's hiding um, from being pursued. Um, and it says this, Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three who were among the thirty, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. And David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem, which was David's hometown. And David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. I, I, I read this, and I, for some reason, I have this, this flashback to, um, it's an acclaimed film um, called The Three Amigos. 
So you've seen it. And it, and it reminds me of, of this scene uh, right here. Lip balm. I love that. Lip balm. For, I don't know. Whenever I think about somebody pouring out water, my mind just goes to that place and the, the, the longing look on um, Pastor Todd's face and Steve Martin as they are looking. In fact, I, did y'all know that? that? That's where Pastor Todd got his start? Y'all didn't know that? Okay, well, there, there you know. Now you have it. As they look longingly as water is being poured out. Like that, I feel like that would be part of my response or reaction but, but it's not so much, so uh, I have to quickly remind myself, like, this wasn't about the water, it's the heart of the men that went after it, right? And here's what we see in these men, so I want to kind of take a look at, at why these men would do that, and, and so this is part of, uh, of our journey this morning, that these men listened and they loved their king, so behind enemy lines where David would have grown up in Bethlehem, it was a place that he knew all too well. They snuck in and they drew out a small amount of water to bring their king a desire of his. They heard the stories, they knew the location, they heard his desires, and they desired to make it a reality. And this wasn't obligatory obedience. Hear that. This was, he didn't command him, hey, I want you to go get that water and bring it to me. Oh, you guys are so good. I'm just going to pour out a little bit for my homies, right? This was a, I, I hear your heart, and because it is so precious that, that you guys, this wasn't obligatory command that you, or wasn't obedience to obligatory command, um, but rather um, they're listening for the out loud longing statement, and his men were perched up. They were listening. They were ready to say, yes, whatever it is that our king desires, we're going to move quickly to that. What, what made them do that other than the, the, their, their belief, their faith, their confidence in and commitment to their king's joy? Their confidence in and commitment to their king's joy. They loved and therefore they listened to their king. The men were willing to risk their life. They had spent time with him and their hearts were aligned with his heart. They, they oriented their lives around the desires of their king. They saw the integrity and joy and authenticity of their king and the men were willing to risk their life for their king. There was a greater call and vision for their life than comfort, security, and safety. It was greater than a beautiful field or a home or a family. Their greater call was the vision for their life that, that their king had called them to. Their king's vision and fight was worth their life. The building up of the kingdom was worth their life. And, and lastly, these men were more about the name of their king than their own name. In fact, we, we hear, we say David, and everybody kind of gets a sense of, like, oh, yeah, King David. Yeah, we, we know King David, but, but do we know Josheb? Jo Josheb, anybody? Josheb? Eleazar? Shammah? Like, these are the men. These are the men, the three men that, that risked their lives. They're among the 30 that are listed there in 2 Samuel 23. And these men were not about building up their own name. They're worried and more concerned with sustaining and elevating the name of their king. Why? 
Why? Why, why would they do that? I mean, it, the, he, David's going to die. I mean, that's a reality of life that he will pass at some point. Why elevate him when it could cost my life? I believe they saw several things in King David um, that were worth the risk. They knew that King David listened to God. They saw it, they experienced it, they were close enough to him to have those encounters with King David as he experienced God. They saw that he asked and then he listened um, and the men experienced the result of it. Um, 1 Samuel 23 um, and uh, 1 Samuel 30, 2 Samuel 2, he asked the Lord, should we move? And the Lord goes, yes. Uh, 2 Samuel uh, 5, he, he asked, um, should we attack um, this, this people? And the Lord says, yes, you have my blessing, you have my favor, now go. He asked again just a short while later, um, and, and sh- should I go here? And the Lord says, no, you're actually going to attack from the other way. And so commentators talk about David as an astute military leader, but the only reason that he is an astute military leader is because he's listening to the Lord's direction every step of the way. He doesn't have some grand master plan of how he's going to conquer the world. It's, I'm going to listen to my Lord, and he's going to tell me how to respond and how to move and how to lead this people to the building up of this kingdom that is actually his. It's not mine. I'm simply a servant to the Lord Almighty. They also saw that the king led the way. In fact, shortly before we read this in 2 Samuel 23, um, in 2 Samuel 21, they had to tell him to get off the front lines. There's a dude that was pretty bad. Um, I'm thinking kind of the rock type of style, Dwayne Johnson, like carrying a big sword, and, um, and he's moving towards them. David almost gets, uh, you know, uh, loses his life, and the men are telling him, like, hey, bro, you cannot be on the front lines anymore. Most of us think about David when it comes to battles, like, oh yeah, that, that time that he stayed back home, Bathsheba, hashtag bad idea. Um, and, but David was more than often on the front lines leading the charge, the king leading the charge in battle. And in this episode, in 23, if, if the men were thirsty, he was going to be as well. He didn't sit above them. The king encouraged and he strengthened the men. And through constant pursuits and being pursued, he first strengthened himself in the Lord and then he gave the charge to his men. Men, let's go. It's time. The Lord's called us to move and take land, to move and expand the kingdom. But this morning for us, it's not just about David and his mighty men that started a movement to build a kingdom. It's actually a a precursor and a vision into the, the king and those who would come to follow him. You see, in Jesus, we see the true and better David. In Jesus, we see someone that that Jesus listened to the Father. Not simply in the big things, not just in the big battles, but in the everyday things in life. That Jesus withdrew, that he talked to the Father. He received direction and love from the Father. In fact, in John 14, uh, verse 24, it says this, And remember my words, he's talking to his followers, Remember my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Every word that comes out of the mouth of Jesus is from the Father. 
we see that Jesus led the way, that Jesus took arms on the front lines of death. And Jesus didn't just risk his life, he gave his life that we would enter life. And then he calls us into battle with him. And Jesus doesn't just pour out water as an offering to God, but he himself becomes the offering poured out for the sake of his people, letting his blood shed on the cross so that he would become the living water for us to come, providing all satisfaction that we would never thirst again. We think about John 4 when Jesus calls himself the living water that would be poured out that you and I would experience life to the full and never thirst again. Jesus encouraged and strengthened his men and his followers. And Jesus doesn't just forsake the momentary discomfort of water and say the water is as valuable as the blood of the men who risk it, speaking value and worth of his men, but he sweats drops of blood as his men slept, letting them know that by his blood they will be called valuable, worthy, and beautiful. Multiple times, Jesus calling his followers to himself and saying, take courage, take heart. Let's move forward in this movement of expanding my Father's kingdom to the broken, to the hurting, to the needy of which we all are. And because of what Jesus has done, we, his people, are led on a great movement. For us, it's very similar to those men as we respond to the work of our King Jesus and that we are to listen to and love our King Jesus. Remember what what I said, that they they loved and therefore they listened. Uh, Even the, the song that we just sang, we're hanging on every word. Is that our heart this morning? Are we um, uh, having our love stirred for Jesus so much that we're hanging on every word? Spirit, speak to me because I only want to hear your voice. Because my greatest desire, my greatest longing, my greatest love is the desires of King Jesus. John 14, um, just after what we read just a moment ago, Jesus tells his followers, this, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. And so we're not left guessing can I hear from God? Can, if I love Jesus and I really want to hear from Him, what does that mean? What does that look like? And He said, I've, I've got you taken care of. I've, I've got someone that will speak to you, that will tell you everything and will recall, allow you to recall everything that I have said. In the same way, 1 John 5, um, verse 3, for the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep His commandments and remain focused on His precepts. And His commandments and His precepts are not difficult to obey. Think about, like, the, the desires of Jesus are not difficult to obey, is what the text is saying. If, if our hearts, and so here's what it is, our, our desires just really have to change. We, we would, that we would elevate and lift up and desire Jesus more than other things. That we'd be willing to risk for Jesus because our desires and our love for Jesus are greater than the things of this world. 
greater than your own desires, greater than the, the things that you would desire for your family or for your business or for your um, places of, of, of hobbies. In a book called The Insanity of God, um, the author writes that, Notice that Jesus never says if or whether you go. He simply talks about where you go. And so constantly I'm listening, going, Jesus, where do you want me to go? I know that you've called me. And so at this point I'm just listening to where. Who are you calling me to, to go to? Um, and so I think about um, my own life, and I think about um, th- those kind of big, mon- monumentous decisions, and, and we really press into the Lord, and like, God, like, I, we need to hear from you in this moment, right now. We, we need to hear and you move, and I want to follow you in this big decision right here. Or it's when we're in the valley, and like, God, I'll do anything. Like, just get me out of this place. I don't want to be here anymore. But what about those everyday moments? And I think about the faith that's required to walk in the everyday moments as a Christ follower and ask the Lord, where do you want me to go? As I'm standing in HB, like, God, what do you want? Spirit, I know you're wanting to speak to me, so what do you want me to do in this moment right here? As we're trying to wrestle our kids into bed and keep them in there without putting up a fence or a leash, like, that was a joke. Um, I got how do, do we parent with the love of the Father in this moment right here? Give me faith in this moment to believe that you are bigger and you are better and you provide more than enough for me in this moment to love my kids well. We're going to listen to and love our King Jesus. Are we so locked in on the words of God in the Scriptures and in the Spirit? Not obligatory action to a command. See, what you love, you give yourself over to. And so, that next piece of are we willing to risk our life for our King Jesus, because what we love, we give ourselves over to. And our King Jesus' desire is not merely a cup of water, but our life poured out for him. Not because he needs that, but his desire is for our hearts. And if we're sitting there going, God, your joy, your desires, I want those to be my desires, and he goes, I want you, and we go, okay, then here I am. You've got all of me. My desire Um, is you. We follow Paul's example in Acts 20 where he tells the Ephesian elders, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm bound to the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. It's not whether he's going to go or not. It's just where and he's going to Jerusalem. He says, I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. My life means nothing if I don't finish what the Lord has put before me, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God, that my life would be spent, poured out, completely done, serving by telling the good news about the wonderful grace of God. 
there's been a couple um, things over the last several years that have, have wrecked my idea of faith. Um, the book of Genesis, <laughs> the book of Acts, um, as I see men and women spend their life in this way. Men and women who have poured themselves out and me going, hold on, wait, there, there, there's, there's a disconnect because my faith doesn't look like that. It's a lot more safe and controlled and comfortable than that. God, increase my faith that it would look more like your people here. And I believe that I know and I know that I'm your child, God, but I want faith that looks like this so that I will know at the end of my life that, that it was spent well. And I read um, this book I mentioned earlier called The Insanity of God, and he's asking this question to people uh, that are persecuted for their faith in different countries, and he's talking to a group of people specifically to one man in a communist country, and he asked this question, how did you learn to live like this? How did you learn to die like that? And he tells this story um, of being put in prison and his time with his family. He says, I remember the day like it was yesterday, Nick. My father put his arms around me and my sister and my brother and guided us into the kitchen to sit around the table where he could talk with us. My mama was crying, so I knew that something was wrong. Papa didn't look at her because he was talking directly to us. He said, children, you know that I am the pastor of our church. That's what God has called me to do, to tell others about him. And I have learned that the communist authorities will come tomorrow to arrest me. They will put me in prison because they want me to stop preaching about Jesus. But I cannot stop doing that because I must obey God. I will miss you very much. But I will trust God to watch over you while I'm gone. All around this part of the country, the authorities are rounding up followers of Jesus and demanding that they deny their faith. Sometimes when they refuse, the authorities will line up whole families and hang them by the neck until they are dead. I don't want that to happen to our family. So I am praying, praying that once they put me in prison, they will leave you and your mother alone. However, and here he made, he paused and he made eye contact with us. If I am in prison and I hear that my wife and my children have been hung to death, rather than deny Jesus, I will be the most proud man in that prison. Are we willing to risk life? For some of us, our, our families are our life, and we would lay down our lives for our families. And, and while noble, sometimes we die on the altar of our families rather than lay our lives down for King Jesus. Knowing that we're crossing enemy lines, and engaging in the world to bring a cup of water to Jesus. I say, what, how are we bringing a cup of 
water to Jesus. Like, I, we're not in a communist country. We don't face that type of persecution. How can I bring a cup of water to Jesus in this culture? Um, Jesus says in Matthew 25, as he's um, prophesying over what it's going to look like in the end times, and he says, there's times where I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me to your home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they go, when? When did that happen? And the king says, I tell you the truth, when you did it, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And in that moment, King Jesus says it's not necessarily about the water, but the heart of the person who went to uncomfortable, life-giving ends in the name of their king. And are we willing to follow our king to those ends? It's not complicated. It's hard, but it's not complicated. See, we're willing to risk our lives or give of our lives for a lot of different things. To business, to family, and risk our kids' lives at the altar of academia and sports. But at the end of our lives, what will be the most worthy pursuit What's the most worthy thing of giving over what truly lasts? It's a hard question. Because it means not doing life as we've always done it. And it means drawing back and going, where have I just kind of melted into the norm of culture and bought into the lie that this is what I'm supposed to be giving my life over to. And Jesus is really just kind of there to help me out of the tough spot or undergird me to support me, right? Rather than us being the ones that are following Jesus. And are we willing to be more about the name of King Jesus than our own? Because here's the truth, Christ follower. Your name is written in a book called the Book of Life. That isn't just seen and remembered by, by people, but it's recorded for the angels and all of heaven to see and celebrate God's faithfulness and joyous work. And friends, the, the best leaders in Christian history and the greatest men that I have seen leading their family have been those that have followed and focused more on following Jesus than how great of a leader they were. It's evidence um, in David's life. 2 Samuel 7, he says this, Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make it, and then he uses this word, your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O God, O Lord God. For there is no one like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And so, friend, it begins with the exaltation and the worship of King Jesus. And the movement proceeds when we realize we have nothing to lose and only Jesus to gain. Do you feel that way about our King? And if not, my encouragement, my plea with you this morning is simply to pray a really simple prayer. Jesus, change my desires. Show me how great you are that nothing compares, that my desires would be simply and solely for you.
It's in that moment that we really begin to truly live. That's the movement of a mighty follower of Jesus. And so what I want us to do, we're just, will you guys stand with me? I just want us to sing and proclaim. And even as we sing this song, let it be a word of hope sung over us that our desires would begin to change as we elevate and lift high the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus that every tongue would confess, every knee would bow, and every tongue can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's the Lord of all. Would we sing that together this morning?